Before we continue, one of the ways we keep all of our content for you, the listener, free of charge is our amazing sponsors, and today, Anchor is one of those sponsors. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcasts right from your phone or computer. Anchor is going to distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere podcasts are listened to, and you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Well, we're feeling just about as good as we look. And if you don't get that reference, you need to stay tuned to After 83 Weeks with Christy Olson. That's me. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Woo, hello everybody and welcome to After 83 Weeks. This is the show for all the 83 Weeks fans out there. To join together, we discuss the big reveals, get all of your reactions, and break down all the action with Eric Bischoff himself. My name is Christy Olson, and I have my favorite boys here with me tonight. Say hello to the guy who runs the YouTube channels for all your favorite wrestlers. It's Steve Kaufman. Your husband is none of us. <laughs> Just pointing uh, that out. You know, Yet. he used to listen to these, but he doesn't Yet. anymore, so forget him. Wow. <laughs> Why not? I'm curious I didn't listen to it. Wow. I'm I happy have... to know we're top four <laughs> men in your life, I guess. Well, I have plenty of good candidates right here. Another one would be a man who's been in the biz for many, many years. You know him from the SmackDown After Show on AfterBuzz TV. Say hello to Christian Rosenberg. Hi there. Hi. <laughs> I'm wearing a new shirt that I have. I like this. I just wanted to dis- disclose that. Parsonteas.com slash. I mean, I'm, I'm plugging when I shouldn't be plugging, but I'm plugging anyway. Because I don't care. I'm so excited. I love it. We love excitement, <laughs> and we probably need that to balance out. This guy over here, I call him the encyclopedia of professional wrestling knowledge. He calls himself the Devastator too sometimes, but you can call him George Hermosa. I don't get that reference you said at the beginning. Ah. Okay, let's launch right into it then. Okay. Because thanks to this Super Brawl 3 episode of 83 Weeks with Eric Bischoff, I am now officially 100 million percent obsessed with Missy Hyatt. Okay. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh my God. Have you seen? Why? Okay, go ahead. You look like you're going to say something. So the answer is yes, I have seen. I went back and looked at the from 1987, the Missy's Manor. Those were horrible. On WWF. <laughs> Those were the worst things ever. Ha! <laughs> That doesn't mean I can't love it. You love it? Okay, listen, I'm pretty sure my, my daddy tells me that when I was a little baby, he used to set me down in front of the TV and turn on wrestling because I like to watch all the pretty colors fly around, right? So I'm pretty sure that baby, this would have been like infant Christy at this point, saw these Missy Hyatt segments and said, I'm going to be Christy Report someday. Hey, have you guys seen the Missy's Manor? Honestly, no. Have you seen it? I, it's so unbelievably hard to watch. She sent me a link. I didn't click it It's yet. the worst. I'm telling you. Like, yeah, You guys know what it is, right? I'm guessing a talk show segment, it but re- on it was on WWF. Yeah, she was in WWF for like yeah. you know she got signed and whatnot. It was supposed to be in WWF. They tried it out and they realized how much it sucked. Then they the were like, nope, we can't do it. Actually, replaced Piper's Pit at the time. Yeah. Oh and my god! This was in '87. <laughs> they tried it out for a couple weeks. They didn't like it. They got rid of her, and now we see her in 1993 at Super Brawl Three, hosting alongside one Eric Bischoff. Did you know that uh, that she used to date Jason Hervey? That makes oh, sense. no. You didn't know that? No. Because I, I swear to God, I, I like a couple months ago when when she was brought up a while ago, uh, Bishop kind of had some not-so-nice not, not so nice things to say about Missy Hyatt. Yeah. But I'm curious if that's because, you know, 
she maybe like hooked, you know, obviously they were they were dating. They weren't like hooking up. They were dating. Hervey and Missy Hyatt were dating. So maybe like maybe he was upset that his boy got maybe heartbroken by Missy Hyatt. Who knows? Oh, <laughs> okay, that's what you're gonna get here on this show, folks. It's all the juicy inside scoop. That's why we want you to go ahead and subscribe to the 83 Weeks channel. Give us a little thumbs up, and we are on Apple Podcasts as well. We would love it if you'd give us a little five-star rating and maybe leave a comment. We will shout you out on the show because we love you guys. This is uh airs alive. Um, Eastern time on Wednesdays. You can do it. You can do it. At 5 p.m. and we all love to hang out in the live chat. So right so now, Pacific time. So chat right with now. us there. 5 p.m. It's airing right now. Yeah, it's e- it's 8 p.m. <laughs> Eastern time, but you were so close. B plus. You're right there. It's a minus. Even I'll give a minus. <laughs> she got that. She got that Missy Hyatt uh, mentality. Right oh. now, math isn't her thing right now. Oof. <laughs> or <Wow>. whatever. <laughs> but let's talk about what's going. Let, let's let's get to WCW. I suppose now that I have professed my undying ever love for Missy Hyatt, let's talk about this time, 1993 in WCW. This is actually the first pay per view that Eric remembers kind of being involved in behind the scenes because there is a huge power shift at this time in WCW. That's the brunt of what the beginning part of the episode was about this week, and there is a lot to discuss there. So, uh, power had gone from Bill Watts to Lee Anderson. Dusty was in there at some point, and then we find out that Eric Bischoff's going to be the new EP. There's some division of power. Did you guys know all this behind-the-scenes stuff that had happened before this episode, or was not this at, all oh, new no. information? Not at the time. Yeah, not, not in 1993. I, a lot of this was covered in his book that I've read, so I knew... Mm-hmm. Bits and pieces of this. Honestly, I thought there were parts of his book. In Bischoff's book. In Bischoff's book. Sorry. Pronouns, pal. Um, <laughs> Missy Hyatt wrote a book, too. It came out in 2001. I want to say, have you read it? I, I, I assume you have read it. It is juicy. I'm going to. It is very, wow. very juicy. You, she How many pictures are in it? She wound up we in a Google rabbit hole here. I know. Hyatt. I'm sorry. I'll stop now. You go <laughs> ahead, Steve. <laughs> but no, I, this was something he discussed at length. I've always wondered, and I may ask him, I've always wondered what, if any, his plan was if he didn't get this job. Because he was up against some folks, like Tony Schiavone would have been a decent candidate for this kind of a job. For sure. That he was up, or Jim Ross, or like there were a couple other people that could have had this job over him. And if he had any plan outside of that. He talked about that he was looking for work outside because he wasn't yeah. making a lot, right? Yeah. So he was honest about that. Yeah, and he was developing TV I mean, shows. I, and like I, he was... I like that part of it because I always knew that Bischoff kind of came into power in 93, but I was never really curious when. So I like that now we kind of have Super Brawl as kind of the... Kind of the beginning of the of, of Bischoff's regime, and kind of before that, it was Watts leaving, and because I know that kind of intersected with like everything that Watts did, because mm-hmm. we all kind of watched WCW around that time with the Watts rules, uh, yeah. you know, over the top. Which part? There's a guy on the anything that does like Eric Watts rules matches. It's like the <laughs> best thing ever. There's Michael Ma- Michael Marshall. Shout out that you're probably listening. I'm sure you are. Um, but area, he's a cool guy. What area of the country does he work? Florida. In? Well, do, do, oh, wow. don't don't NWA regular matches still? Yeah, actually, yeah. A DQ if you yeah, throw over the top. The top Robe and things like that, but yeah, they never really say it. But I remember at the time, Watts was like a big stickler on the rules and whatnot. So, kind of know, ha- like having this event as like, cool. Ric Flair came back, Bulldog came in, you know, and Bischoff kind of started his reign. Mm. And things are changing because reportedly under Bill Watts' regime, people weren't happy about the contracts. There were a lot of questions about his conduct. We hear a lot about the interview and the controversial things he said there. And another. Eric doesn't usually tell a story if he wasn't there. Like, we don't hear him say a lot like, well, I heard that this was a thing at the time. But he takes the time to tell this story about mm. Bill Watts taking a little potty break right in the middle of a meeting at the meeting. Do you? Th- what do you think of the picture that he painted of Bill Watts on this episode? Not a pretty one. <laughs> no. 
Um, but then again, not many people do paint a pretty it's, picture. It's of Bill crazy. Watts. I've only heard one person ever say a nice thing about Bill Watts. What was it? And that's Jim. No, no, I'm saying like I don't mm. know what it was, but it's always oh. Jim Ross. Oh. Jim Ross, he came from that area, is like his mentor. Right. He's like the only person I've ever heard anything good say about Bill Watts. Everyone else thinks he's like a horrible human being. He's a racist. He's a bully. Like all these mm-hmm. things. And it's like, like, wow, like he's that bad of a guy. I just think it's weird that Jim Ross, like he will never say anything bad about him. That is interesting. And even so that Conrad was like, you know, F Bill Watts and F anybody that likes him. I'm like, well, Jim Ross is a big fan of, of him. I, I, I don't know. I, I know there's not heat between them, but mm-hmm. like, I don't know. I, Bill Watts, he, did, he never gets painted into pretty picture for pretty much It is anyone. true. And, and if this story is true, there's something to be said. And we know it out here in the Los Angeles, the Hollywood, if you will. I've heard stories like that about Harvey Weinstein all the time. That weren't like sexual in nature so much as like he was someone so drunk on his own power that he felt he could do whatever he wanted. Mm-hmm. I love how we've gotten to the point where we can compare Harvey, Harvey Weinstein to Bill Watts. <laughs> That's a fair WCW. comparison, sir. Uh, no, 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 because the fact that you're actually right. That's the crazy thing mm. that we're in as far as L.A. and the world of wrestling. Yeah. This is where we can go now. Also, Ari, <laughs> Ari Emanuel, the power agent who Ari Gold and Entourage is like loosely who he's based off of, I've heard mm. that exact story about Ari Emanuel, that he was in a staff meeting and just decided to pee on the table. <laughs> Mm. Like, there's something to be said about someone who builds their own machine that it's, has so much power. It's about Listen, consistency. Um, because yeah. I, I know you guys are seriously considering trying that right now just to see what the reaction is. So I just want to tell you it's not going to be good. And I want before the show started. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I own the channel. Oh, that's true. You can do whatever you I want. I can pee on the table. Well, since you brought up Jim Ross, he was on his way out at this time as well. He was removed as the on-air announcer and wasn't given any job behind the scenes, right? After this, this didn't is sound he, like it based on reports I've read. What do you guys remember as fans from that period of time about Jim Ross disappearing? Did you care? I mean, that's a, that's a huge deal. At the time, I didn't care. Well, well I was 90, really young. Well, like, in '93, yeah. you weren't old enough to really know who the commentator yeah. was and wasn't. But yeah. it would have had a profound effect on the product, considering the people who are calling the matches and, well, really it, are detrimental in telling the just, story and also, putting guys over or not. Me, but, but as, as, as 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 year olds, we're not necessarily fully paying attention to the stories yeah. like we do as adults. Okay. So, I mean, I, so I mean, oh, yeah. Mean Gene's now here. Jesse Ventura's over here. Oh, now Jim Ross yeah. is over there. Like, something like, I did notice. I did notice when things kind of went, when guys went back and forth. But for me, kind of being in that, in that uh, age... Tony Schiavone was the voice of WCW to me. Yes. yes. Okay. You know? yes so, me so it wasn't that big of like a, oh, and it's like, oh, they got that guy from WCW on, on, on WWF now. It's like, it wasn't that big of a deal. Because at the time, mm-hmm. I thought Vince McMahon was just an announcer. So it would have been like him right. going over to WCW would have been like a big deal. But Jim Ross was like, I didn't really know him as the voice that he was, you okay. know. Also, you have to know the, know the room. Massachusetts, California, Pennsylvania. If anything, not having Jim Ross on WCW programming in 93, it would have helped us relate to it. And that, that's an argument many have made about Jim Ross, and that's not a knock at Jim Ross or how he sounds. Yeah. But WCW as a product wanted to not sound like Jim Ross, not mm-hmm. look like Jim Ross, and not be Southern wrestling. They wanted to be a bigger brand. And they especially when you big th- American wrestling. Even with that said, you think about it, how do they open up? The, the pay-per-view, a mm-hmm. very attractive Missy Hyatt mm. and a Ken Doll-looking guy like Eric Bischoff. Like, yes. That's how you open up the pay-per-view. So, I mean, no offense to Jim Ross's looks, but, like, you know, you kind of compare the two. It's like there's really no comparison. And, and, and then you and from there they pass it to, you know, well-spoken Tony Giovanni yep. and the Jesse. face that we recognize <laughs> of Jesse Ventura. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, Eric had some things to say about Jesse on this episode. It involved... God, 
personal reasons. I <laughs> hate this. It's all. It's it's like, can someone be an on camera personality without everyone trying to say they're put them putting themselves over? And when you guys watch this back, because I know we all do that. Did you feel that Jesse was putting himself over and burying the wrestlers, as Bischoff said? I I really only felt like he did at the very beginning. Yeah. Well, like well, well, towards the beginning when they had the segment with uh, you know Flair arriving, all of a sudden Jesse's like Ric Flair and Jess Ventura in the same building for the first time. <laughs> You're on commentary. You're not going to be wrestling him. I don't mm. understand why that's a big deal. But like yeah. Ric Flair back. What will Sting have to say? He has to prepare for his match with Vader. That's something you should say. Mm-hmm. But so, like that one is just like, really? I mean that that'd be like me, like on commentary, <laughs> who does not wrestle because I get my butt hurt whenever I try. You'll be like, oh, look at this guy. I can take him. <laughs> no, no, I, that would be foolish of me to say when I'm on commentary, and that's why I don't say that when I'm on commentary. <laughs> But that's better. I will say for Jesse Ventura, he understood who he was in. Like he was a character. He didn't become Jesse, not Ventura. Mm-hmm. Like he didn't become Jesse Burbank, and then be a, <laughs> and be a commentator. If only, and then be a co- and then like I'm Jesse Burbank. I'm a commentator. I'm toned down. I'm wearing a suit. Like mm-hmm. he's still Jesse Ventura. So there, he James has to, Ventura. He still has to be himself. Mm-hmm. That character that exists in the wrestling universe. Yeah. So it's that's a rough balance. I think Jerry Lawler has a similar has a similar. I don't want to say problem, but mm-hmm. every now and again, Jerry Lawler, especially his no rehearsal style, leads to a certain level of burial or uh, self promotion. Mm-hmm. Were you upset when you found out Jesse Ventura wasn't his real name? <laughs> no, he's a wrestler. Most don't use their. Real <laughs> I don't names. know. I just like I don't know because he's governor. Were you Jesse upset when you found out? You, I was. I was upset when were, it wasn't. His were real you name? upset when you found out the Undertaker's real name isn't the Undertaker? <laughs> well, it was always Kane the Undertaker. But, Undertaker uh, but you're from Minnesota. Like, were you guys like big Jesse Ventura guy uh, people? No. Mm. Really? No. Okay. I mean, until we voted him into governor. That's Fair. that's my my memories of because I was pretty young mm-hmm. back yeah, yeah. then. But my memories of him are as Jesse Ventura, the governor who mm-hmm. is making the news every day for anything and everything. Sure. <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. I'm sure even if he didn't do outrageous stuff as governor, him appearing as himself as a governor probably just he was a lightning rod to the media. Like, oh yeah, local and national media. Yeah, I mean, picture what's going on now nationally as you know, just in just one in, state, but yeah. same thing. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> Same thing. Uh, with less consequences. Mm. Less consequences. Well, consequences maybe for one Johnny B. Bad, as Eric Bischoff didn't really care for what went on in this pay-per-view with him. We see him at first with Eric and Missy. Now, Eric admitted that that energy between the two of them and even having them there as sort of the host didn't really work, but then he does sort of lay some blame on Johnny B. Bad here about his character not getting over and not being clear I disagree. Really? I liked, I mean, as a, watching back, uh, not watching back now, but watching back when I was uh, younger, I thought Johnny B. Bad was a great character. Everything about his character was like, man, because like, he was a heel at first, but then he became babyface. I'm like, I don't know. I, I, whenever people diss Mark Brown, I'm like, I don't see it. Like, I don't see why people think he was so bad. Yeah, when, when, I, when I was young, I was a big fan of him. And, and I think part of it is, you know, you're a big fan of, of, you know, the sparkly, run fast, flipping around, high energy, you know, like kids are. You know, yeah. they get they get connected to that, yeah. and that's what he was. He'd come out with a and confetti. He'd give yeah. them little sticker so, kisses. Great, he was great, a great, act. great wrestler for kids to watch. 
as a 35-year-old adult, watching him come out with whatever makeup he had on to try to do the hosting when he had laryngitis, it sounded like, and couldn't even really speak in whatever garb that was, I'm just looking like, what is this? And there is no energy whatsoever between Eric, Missy, and Johnny B. Bad. Right. And why do we keep cutting them after every match? Yeah, I, I, I can now I can say that I've only ever seen Johnny B. Bad stuff after the fact, mm-hmm. more or less as an adult. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it does not play well. I could see the appeal to a child, but I also think like there's something effeminate to that character that I don't think. I, well, at Super Bowl three, definitely. Well, but like that lends the, itself the makeup and hair that like lends itself <laughs> to heel heelish stuff in the South, especially in Asheville where they were gorgeous, like, George esque. Yes, like very much. That you play into people's lack of sensitivity to something. I think Velveteen Dream is a good example currently. That that main roster. That's that's how he's going to get a lot of heat. For he's going to get a lot of heat in Southern states. Oh yeah. For yes, being I, a fan. I, 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 I disagree, but okay. I disagree. Oh, I don't disagree. I disagree <laughs> he's a smart guy. He'll do whatever <laughs> whatever it takes to get the heat. Well, we mentioned the Ric Flair arrival skit a little bit there, and Eric talked about how it didn't really work for him. What did you guys think about the skit? Watching it back now, it it was kind of weird. Um, yeah. I mean, because because okay, Missy's there trying to get the exclusive interview. Ric Flair and limo. So uh, classic Christie reports of her. Love it. Right. <laughs> Right. Oh, that Missy. <laughs> I mean, that part, fine. Security coming to back her away, fine. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, like, these women kind of pull her away. <laughs> Who and apparently then, weren't too attractive, and then, And then those women are right back with Rick. Yeah. So, like, wait, then what happened to Missy? <laughs> and, like, th- th- was, was, was she murdered in that instant? And, and oh, oh, we're done now. Let's go walk with Flair. And then having her kind of like hopping behind, just trying to get a look at like the back of his head. It's just like no, that like it started fine, but then it's just like, why is she jumping up and down? <laughs> like, hey, hey, we're, guys, guys, I'm here. I'm, I'm so, I have I have a little pass and a microphone, and this camera's with me. And, and I was clearly given very little direction, <laughs> and it's not my fault. <laughs> I'm trying. Hi. Oh, it's fun. Well, the thing about the fact that the limo, like that, we didn't see the limo pull up. It lacked anticipation, I think, for that reason. Obviously, it should have been outside, and it should have been. Well, well, and, and they, well, and the fact that they announced Ric Flair bef- um, before on the show, before they even then cut to the limo of him arriving. We yeah. know it's Ric Flair in the limo. Mm-hmm. If it would have been better if they didn't. Like, it's like a special surprise guest should be arriving. Right. Oh, here's that's this must be the surprise guest. Who is it? Oh my God, it's Ric Flair. <laughs> oh, that would make too much sense. I've seen on WCW programming under under Eric Bischoff the opposite of this, which is that they cut back to the loading dock seven times where there's no <laughs> true. Limo. We don't want that. They're like we're anxiously awaiting the arrival <laughs> of Ric Flair, but who's spont- always late. <laughs> but spontaneity is always better than like not being spontaneous. Yeah. At least you say, oh, we're gonna cut to the back to see if he's there yet. Yeah. You know. But. Th- but my issue is that, and they've gotten better at this in wrestling in general. The I call it the I call it the loading dock shot. Is essentially that they're like we're, we're cutting to the back. We're trying to see if this limo's happening, and then the camera pans, and then you actually get to see something else. So the idea that they're going to give you the loading dock shot, and you be like, oh my god, Ric Flair's about to get it, get out of a limo, and then they pan, and it's Dustin Rhodes. I'm just. Mm-hmm. I'm just still waiting for the day that we have the loading dock shot that is then followed by the office shot where they are presented they're fine for being late. 
He's literally writing him up. All right, he's late. Well, there would have to be an announcer chasing someone down in all of those scenes to justify having the cameras there. Right. But uh, Rick coming to WCW, huge, obviously. Eric talked about how the people behind the scenes were excited because they had worked with him before. Maybe there were some wrestlers who weren't as excited, but we do know, again, we get those really juicy numbers that he had been at about 750K at WWF, and he's coming in for 400K to WCW in 1993. But a lesser schedule, right? A lighter schedule, as always. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still a little surprising that one Ric Flair would sign on a dotted line for 400 grand. In 1993, I think not, it's all not. about. I think it's all about dates, though. Yeah, like because we we hear a lot of money thrown around, but it's mm-hmm. all about dates. Like we don't know how that could have been for ten dates. That yeah. could have been for twenty dates. And you know? he didn't say how many years either. True, that's true. Could that like it could have been 400k in '93, and then we'll re and then, and then we'll, move up each year, or and whatever. then we'll renegotiate in '94 when I make you 1.3 million. Because even like fast forward, I mean, he sold us many, many times where Luger he he gave Luger like a crappy salary when he came back in '95, yeah. and he he was a first say, but that number got relatively higher as the years went by. Yeah, yeah. And, and again with the dates, I mean, you know, oh yeah, WWE was 750 thousand for. 275 dates right. and WCW would be 400,000 for 110 dates. Yeah. <laughs> right, that's like it, and then it adds up, then it and works fine. And it's guaranteed money, whereas because right. in '93 it wasn't even a guaranteed downside guarantee like WWE eventually grew to do. Mm-hmm. But in WCW, it was always a guaranteed money. Like it was, four, you make $400,000 whether I use you or lose you or. You sell a, you make me a billion dollars, or you make me twelve dollars. Yeah. it's for you make four hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Well, do you guys have anything to say about this opening tag team match where we see a young <laughs> oh, a young Steve <laughs> I, Austin? I, uh, I when I saw the Hollywood block because I forgot the what the card was. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh cool, this match <laughs> is going to be awesome. Pullman and Austin, like obviously, I don't think they really were together for that long, considering they didn't have the matching jacket. Like, all right, cool. Who are they going to face? Oh. Watson Bagwell, really? Yeah, like, I was that's uh, like, all right, the, for, yeah, the first wrestlers to come out are Hollywood Bonds. Like, oh, yeah, cool, it's going to be awesome. We're going to start with, with a really good tag match. And then we got Bagwell and Watts. And it's just like, and they're putting Bagwell over like crazy. Mm-hmm. And then there's Watts. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um,. um. Some yeah. people listening who are like diehard wrestling pro wrestling fans are like, "Wait, Eric Watts was like, back then? No. Yeah, what? Eric Wa- Eric Watts has wrestled for many, many years. No, um, there there are multiple Eric Wattses in the world of wrestling. They are not related. <laughs> mm. <laughs> they just I, both happen to be named Eric Watts and it, and like actual names. Wait, that's his shoot name? Yeah, yeah. the Eric Watts of yeah. now. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I just assumed. No, it has it. nothing to do. It's just wow. It's just a crazy coincidence. Wow, what an incredible coincidence! Now that we have whetted, whetted your appetite, jumping into the pay per view, we are going to take a short break, and we will be right back with more after eighty three weeks. Stay tuned. Can you hear me? Oh, you can. Okay. Um, I want to do one more intro thingy where I say like, um, and now it's time to get Eric Bischoff on for the Q&A. Oh, wait. I would only have to do that if we got him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What should we do right now? We should, um, we, um, we, should, we should mention something along the lines yeah. that he, um, that he. So we don't, know. are we sure we don't have him? Do we want to try to call him or something? Okay. Oh, for uh-huh. sure we don't. Okay. Yeah. So, so I, I, I would say some of, you know, you know, unfortunately based with. Um, his travel. He's in Japan. Yeah. Um, oh, is my mic on now? I'm sorry. 
Okay. No, yeah, what I was saying was, you know, you could say something, you know, um, you know unfortunately, you know, this week, um, as we know from listening to the podcast, Eric was on his way. He just emailed. Did he? What yeah. did he say? Not sh- guys, just landed in LA. Not sure I can get settled and connected in time. All right. Okay. No problem. How yeah, long we'll was take that? Doesn't know. So, so we'll just simply say he's you know he's in the process of traveling to Japan right now. So unfortunately, we're not able to get a hold of him. Let's get his ass. He's, he's, he's in the LA. radio thing right now. He's, he's yeah, Japan. he's mentioned on the podcast. He's, he's traveling to Japan thing? for oh, like no, a for a memorial no, for um, a legendary Japanese which is, wrestler, which is ironic because he's in he's, LA right now. He's changing LA on a layover. He's changing. Right, he's on his way home. He's no, he's on no, his way to Japan. Oh, to Japan. Oh, that's what I thought. But then you said Wyoming to LA. LA to Japan. Six twenty six just landed. Get his ass over here then. So yeah, that was fifteen minutes ago. He's not going to be able to. Get that. He's so, so, so yeah. So I would just reply to him, say no worries or something like that. Yeah, for but, sure. Hmm. But we'll we'll say you know, unfortunately, you know, because he's traveling to Japan. Yeah, no, I know what to know. say. <laughs> well, you were just asking what I'll to say. say. No, I was asking what we should do. I'll say. Just keep going down with the show. Mm-hmm. You shush <laughs> until it's time to start again. <laughs> no, because he's not shushing. <laughs> I <do>. Sorry, Steve. <laughs> Oh, and not break at all. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, okay, cool. Great. So we'll just go right from uh, the tag team match to the singles match. Perfect. Cool. All right, coolio. Uh, and I can just pick up wherever or no. We're cutting to the card and then coming back from the card. Yeah. So come in from a break. Oh, you do want me to? Okay. Welcome back. I know this is the point in the show where we all love talking to Eric Bischoff, of course, the man that most of you have probably tuned in for. Wait, I don't want to say that. That's shady. That's throwing us under the bus. Okay, and we'll start again. Welcome back. I know this is the point in the show where we always all love chatting with Eric Bischoff. However, he is traveling this week and we aren't quite able to get him on the line, but we will get all of your questions answered next week. You guys had a lot of great ones, so stay tuned next week for that. And let's jump right back into Super Brawl 3 with this singles match, Too Cold Scorpio versus Chris Benoit. Eric had some thoughts about Benoit on this one. that He, he didn't use the word green, but that's what I deduced from the way he was explaining it. I mean, guys? he wasn't as polished as he was as he was kind yeah. of ninety six, ninety seven. But I mean, he was still good. I mean, but I think I think Scorpio is one of the most underrated guys that should have been absolutely used more mm-hmm. in both companies, uh, all three companies. Yeah, mm-hmm. all three of them. Yeah, I, I'll send you some links to his ECW. No, I've seen work. some ECW stuff. I just that I would rather him see be him more successful in WWF or WCW. I I just think it's interesting that like Green Chris Benoit mm-hmm. is better than so many <laughs> polished guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because, uh, I mean, yeah, very young Chris Benoit, just like his first pay-per-view, you know, pretty much coming from ECW or Japan at that time. So he's, um, you know, he's still, he's still, you know, working his way through everything. But then him with Scorpio, I really enjoyed this match. Honestly, I never saw this match until I rewatched this pay-per-view. Mm. And, and that's another thing that I, 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 I kind of miss 
the announcements of like five minutes remaining in the match. Yeah. Two minutes remaining in the match. And the fact that they, they ended up timing it so well. Yeah. And got it like right at the end. And then Jesse argued, no, no. It, the bell rang before the three count. It's a draw. <laughs> And it, it was it was really captivating. I really enjoyed this match. Well, yeah, the incredible talent it takes to have the timing yes. that dead on. Yeah. Mm. You want to speak to that resident wrestler? Not yet. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let me know I, after the next show. I will also mention that um, we're talking about a n- not-so-polished Chris Benoit on the same card as a not-gelling-with-Brian-Pillman-yet-Stone-Cold-Steve-Austin. Yeah. Or Steve Austin. Yeah. Like yeah. that, like both of these things are happening on the exact same card. And stud rookies, Eric Watts and Marcus Alexander. PWI Man. Rookie of the Year, Eric Watts. Yeah. By the way, we're we're gonna see great things from both of those, from both of those gentlemen. I think Buff Bagwell was. Fine. He had a career. I, yeah, I, think, he, I think he had a good career for what yeah, he was he capable run. of. He had his run. What about the fact that this is Davy Boy Smith's WCW debut? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Eric didn't talk about that all, all in the episode. Is it because they've covered it enough? They kind of covered I mean, it as in like they they kind of signed him maybe to go to England to kind of mm-hmm. get some draws in England. Yeah. Well, I we talked about um, that, but I don't believe Davy Boy Smith did a whole lot in WCW. It was like for about no, a year. Yeah, yeah, he was only yeah. there for a year. Like they kind of needed it. Like part of. Well, I mean, it's not like they had. A, it's not like they scouted him. It was he got fired from WWF. Oh, I need a job, bro. You huh? know? Or bro, he's not Russo. No, no whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't. I just thought this whole pay per view was like the assimilation, a symbolic of. How the wrestling business was mm-hmm. in '93 because we we love WCW for like a lot of people consider them their prime in, in the NWO, but before mm-hmm. that it was like the work rate. I feel like this kind of lacked that because we saw like Max Payne against like Dustin Rhodes, which is like weird conflict, you know? Yeah, we saw like Cactus Jack and Paul Orndorff, which is like a real weird style. Like, I will get to that match in a minute. But as far as like the Bulldog, I, I found it real interesting that you know for the like goon? the huge he faced the goon. Was that the goon? Is yeah. Bill yes. the goon? Yeah, I didn't goon. realize that. Well, the fact that the match took as long as it did and Bulldog took as much of a beating as he did in that match on his debut, that surprised me. I thought, like, for making your big debut on a pay-per-view against probably a lower mid-card guy, that should have been a two-minute squash match. Yeah, he should have run mm-hmm. through a scrub. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that, no, we're going to have this go eight to ten minutes mm-hmm. and... You're gonna get beat up most it's, of the match, especially because Bulldog was still kind of hot. Like yeah, that, that very hot. match was still like months before. Yeah, I think by today's standards, we call that the NXT debut, oh. where they where they put you out there with someone else they've developed, and you gotta go. You gotta go to commercial breaks. But Bill Irwin, though, like I'm with him. I'm with him. I'm with Rosenberg. And Bill Irwin, like I don't even. I don't even know what right. was. I want. I want to see Keith Lee knock people out in three seconds. That's what I think. An, I, that's what uh, I think a debut I, should be. I think he's overrated. But go on. Well, <laughs> that's a different discussion. <laughs> I, I like it when you guys Steve, disagree. Let's Steve, see. How Steve you, and George are going to fight. Guys. No, just because they keep signing fight. guys like that aren't really developed on the indie scene. It's like let's just sign him so he doesn't go to somewhere else. Go ahead. Right. No, precisely. Right, <laughs> talk, uh, Cactus Jack versus Paul Orndorff. So, what about Mick Foley? Heel face. We hear from everybody who's ever met him. What a nice guy he is. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Bischoff's really the first person to say like, oh, he would make a better face because he's just a nice guy. Mankind Mick Foley is a great heel. Yeah. Every other Mick Foley is perfect babyface. <laughs> what stood out to you about this match? The fact that Cactus Jack will kill himself against but Paul doing what? There's one move where I was like, There's, did he just do that move? Mm. Two, uh, two things stood out to me. One, 
the suplex over the guardrail where then he bounced off the second guardrail. Yeah. yeah. And then there was one where he like he got knocked off the apron and just didn't protect okay. himself and landed head first. Okay, wrong answer. Uh, <laughs> they, took, they took off the mat <laughs> and he did a sunset yes. flip oh, the from sunset the apron. Flip. From the Captain yes. Jack did a sunset from the apron onto like the unprotected yes, mat onto yes, Orndorff. Yes. What? Which I, I was like, know. what? Just as a shoot, like I, that doesn't make any sense to me as something that would hurt Orndorff more than it no, would hurt exactly. Captain Jack. <laughs> Not at all. And 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 they, and they played I mean, it up because after he kicked out. Cactus Jack was the one that was down. Well, yeah, because he took because he, he flipped onto concrete. He took a set flip on the concrete. He took he a flip. He took a flip canvas bump on concrete. I and no one and but no one told that as the story of like Cactus Jack will do anything just to get Paul Orndorff down. Mm-hmm. Like they told it as the story. Like nope, that's a legitimate move that'll hurt more, hurt Orndorff more than it'll hurt Cactus. I feel like George should do some of Cactus Jack. I can't even do a regular move. sunset flip. <laughs> I'm waiting for you one day to challenge someone to a 60-second Iron Man match. Although, I didn't, oh. I, I didn't want to do an unmasked versus unmasked match where the loser has to wear a mask. Don't you think we're getting to the point in professional wrestling where somebody is going to start doing that kind of stuff and just hurting themselves and putting it on YouTube? They already do. Gonna, that, yeah. that, that, that exists. That, that they do. Oh, I'm surprised it's not making a bigger splash. There's a, because kid, there's a kid in New like, Jersey has 100,000 subscribers. I'll, I'll yeah. send you the link. I don't want to know. I don't want to <laughs> see that. Should we be doing this? No. No, yes. no we should not. Yes. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. Christine and guys, George if you're wondering what happens when Eric doesn't show up in the last 20 minutes of the show, th- that this is right? it. That's going to be it. That's this gonna is be it. it. We go wild. All right. The Heavenly Bodies versus the Rock and Roll Express. Of course, this is going to be a great match. And they I don't think... Of course. They always have great matches. And Yeah, and of course, Eric was going to be a fan of it. I just think it's funny. I don't know if there's anything we would have needed to hear I from mean, him I would have liked this. to seen like what like the relationship was between... like I think it was Smoky Mountain was around this time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because by the end of the year, we saw... Different heavenly bodies, but so the heavenly bodies against Rock and Roll Express on a WWF pay per view. I have a juicy story yeah. about the indie heavenly. Go bodies. ahead, go well, on the new heavenly bodies. By the way, there's one. I don't know if it's the one you guys are thinking of, but there is a tag team that was going by that at one point a few years ago, and um, they were working in a promotion that I was working in, and then all of a sudden they were gone, and there was, uh, I guess, some controversy about whether they were truly allowed to use that name or if they had been trained where they said they'd been trained Ooh. and if they had been given that moniker by the Heavenly Bodies Ooh. or not. Ah, that's not that's not wise to, to do something like that without permission. Well, they were, were nice guys and they were really cute. So. Were they also oh. claiming they were trained by Dr. Tom? Is that part of it? That may have been part of it. That, yeah, you you can't I'm lie not about. As, I'm not as privy to what all happened behind the scenes. And again, this may be different Heavenly Bodies than you guys are thinking. You about can't lie about both of those things. Right. You pick one. Especially and, when you're working with Does like, that mean we can be the new Techno Team 2000? If only. Okay. Oh, God. Because I know there's a new Hollywood Blondes. I know there's like a new. I've one. heard that as well. It, yeah. Yeah. But that's that's with Pillman Junior. Yeah. No, it's not. He's not part of. No, well, he's like, also part of New Hollywood Foundation. Heart Foundation. But there's okay. like a new Hollywood Blondes. Wow, scandalous! We gotta get some scandal somewhere since we don't have Eric here <laughs> and, to dish it for well, us. And, and and we talked about Two Cold Scorpio being underrated. How about Bobby Eden? I loved Bobby oh, yeah. Eden so oh. much. See, I don't think he's heroes. underrated. Oh, because I, I, no, no, no. Listen, what does underrated mean? I think maybe people don't give him the credit he deserves. I think Bobby Eden gets all the credit that he deserves. I think everybody knows how great he is, hence why he's not underrated. Alabama Jam. No, maybe like maybe like un, maybe he needed more recognition as far as like titles, but like maybe he's a guy that didn't need it. Everybody knows that Bobby Eaton's great, so then I don't I don't think he's underrated. Okay. Well, we already that. know what you guys. Me, should. And, me and George you are fighting. Get into it. <laughs> we know Our what you guys Christine think Alex. of uh, Max Payne. Man Mountain Rock. Previous oh comments. <laughs> the, the fact that they have a heel do the national anthem is just so bizarre. 
on so many levels. Because I'm like, are we supposed to Wait, cheer? Wait, vilifying the national anthem? That's never going to happen, except for in 2018. No. You know what's funny is in 2000... That's no, not no. what I mean. What was the DX band? They did the national anthem. Oh, in, or somebody 14. It was so bad that you will never see a replay of it ever again. Yeah, because... Because when they released the uh, WWE Network, they claimed like all of all of the pay per views they're releasing would be uncensored. Oh, obviously, that's not true. But what they meant was the uncensored version that they released on DVD, or the censored version they released on DVD. They won't recensor or on VHS because I have yeah, the VHS, VHS but uh, it, Mania fourteen, and it wasn't on, there. and it's not on there. Yeah, it was so bad. Like everybody booed the national anthem. Well, they make people when they're signed to NXT and first come into NXT do the national anthem for everyone down there at NXT. Maybe you that's did the an national old, anthem. Maybe that's an old tradition that was around back then and maybe Johnny B. Bad got out of it so they were like we're really going to stick it to you this time you're going to do it on the air. Wait, you, you did the national anthem? Darn right I did. Like you sang it? Well, I don't sing. But, but I, like, I talked it very what? cutely in a way. What did you read it? There is like a lot of untold stories that you need to tell us right now. Yeah. Well, we should be one, interviewing you if we're not interviewing Eric. That one applied to the conversation, and I just told <laughs> okay, him. But, so you just stood out there and just re- read the national anthem? Pretty, well, I mean, I know the national anthem, so I said Okay, it. so no. you just said the national anthem? Did you go all, all Christina Aguilera? No. Did you, re- you forgot the words? No. Okay. Please, in front of a hundred of my new co-workers who include... Well, better than her, include, but in front of 10,000. Uh, fucking A-Train? Oh, a okay, yeah. we're, we're on Steve's channel. I'm a train of the words. We're on Steve's channel, it's fine. God, there's so much more I want to know. That's hard. I, okay. I, I have questions now. All right. Well, let's talk about the NWA <laughs> World Heavyweight Title Match. The Great Muda. See, this is this is the time where there was like two world champions, and I, yeah. I did kind of want to like because Eric wasn't a big fan of it, but I was right. like, you know, it's been like that for like every year for the last like seventeen years, except for like two years. They also and those are the better two this years. Opportunity <laughs> to bring up a current WWE storyline, yes. which they never do on this oh, show. They about never Dan talk about it. Yes, they talked about Dan O'Brien and his title. Mm-hmm. Any comments about Bischoff's thoughts on that? You seem to like it. Uh, yeah, he's, well, it's talking about, you know, as far as it leads, if it leads to the right story yeah. of someone, you know, kind of trying to right the wrong and bring the other title back to prestige, mm-hmm. um, you know, something like that. Yeah, it could make sense if it's if it's done to that extent. But as long as there are two different titles, it will never be considered like, oh, well, this one has to be higher than this one. Unless they bring the Winged Eagle title back. Mm-hmm. I always... I've... I'm on record saying I think it's problematic that Daniel Bryan's a heel. Daniel Bryan, the environmentalist, is a heel, but that's not for tonight. <laughs> like, I, I just don't think that's... See, I think it was weird back then because there was two championships like on the same thing. Like There wasn't no split brand. You know? Yeah, like, that's what Bischoff was saying. Yeah. Right. It didn't and, really work. And th- thus then, if the NWA title is before the WCW title, oh, that means the NWA title is not as meaningful as the uh-huh. WCW title. Right. Well, uh, you don't need a title if you're having a White Castle of Fear leather strap match. Because that's, you know, important enough or whatever. <laughs> I know you guys have some thoughts on this because all I've heard about in the last two hours did since anybody, you've gotten here is White Castle, White did Castle, White Castle. Did anybody else have White Castle burgers while they were watching this match? No, no just me? Just, just no. me? Okay, just checking. They, they are do not make good. vegan burgers now. Oh, And wow. they are also not good. They're not good. So, this match. Amazing. Very good match. Yes. For the capital M. But the White Castle of Fear mini movie. Not so much. Yeah, and we got the inside scoop on that one. A little bit. They were they were trying to make a movie and Eric said that's was the mistake because you can't see something that polished on professional wrestling. Agreed? Yeah. Like does that ruin believability for you? Polish. Polish. Like he's like, if it looks like a movie, then people then it's not believable anymore. Correct. Uh, uh I, I think I don't know what you're gonna say. I agree. Um I think I, if it's done correctly. 
I do think if done correctly, like the Matt final Hardy, deletion, like, yeah, like yeah, final yeah, yeah, deletion, yeah. like final deletion, or any of the Matt Hardy, Jeff Hardy stuff, or some of the stuff Lucha Underground does is very much polished and cinematic. That's that ply, that plays back into what it is in the ring. But the that's issue a is, whole different. Well, but the issue is it needs to fit the story correctly. Whereas this was, we're gonna make a movie because even and when like, it where these where we have a captive audience. Are you saying like a five second still of Vader's mask around a table of food? Does not draw you to this match? No, <laughs> got me hungry. Oh, but, okay. But I think what what it's missing is it's missing the fundamentals of wrestling TV and the wrestling business, which is we should your product should be what happens bell to bell. So if the White Castle of Fear Matt or if the White Castle of Fear short film yeah. doesn't make people want to see Vader versus Sting. Then it's not. Then it shouldn't exist. And it doesn't matter how much mm-hmm. they spent on it. It doesn't. Right. It, it shouldn't exist because you, what you're, what you should be, what you should be offering is a bell to bell product, which they delivered on and would have sold. Just Vader and Sting strap match to me is enough. They were also trying to say, hey, we can meet WWF's production value. That was part of it as well. But they never did anything like that, really. Yeah. That was apples and oranges. Like yeah. WWF doesn't make movies. Not even it was like apples and bad apples. <laughs> but like even when WWF made movies, they made a separate movie and then released them where movies were released. Oh yeah, yeah. and then had the movie well, tried tie- to. Well, but like and then had the movie tie <laughs> back. Tried to, and then the like Hogan, a good movie, and then like Hogan and Zeus tie back into yes. the in ring product. Yes, WCW didn't do that. Like WCW didn't do that with the White Castle of Fear. They just make you pay ten bucks to go watch No Holds Barred. Uh... For the build up for SummerSlam or Survivor Series. True. Um, 89. And I, I'm y'all not, did it, I right. bet. I'm not saying. I know it, I did. I saw, I'm not I saying, saw no Hold in the theater. I'm not saying it was a perfect content strategy, but it was very much we're going to make a movie so people who watch movies that don't watch wrestling will see our movie and maybe funnel into watching our wrestling. That at least makes sense to me. So if they had entered, so if they had entered the White Castle of Fear in a bunch of short film competitions. To try to gather buzz and had actual actors in it and like made it more or less a short film featuring wrestlers, that would have been that would have been a sensible content strategy for the time. So well, nineteen ninety three. And look for that coming up on all your favorite wrestlers YouTube channels. <laughs> yeah, starting like, starring Coffin Sting, produces. Vader, and Kevin Costner. I mean, what are you? That's, no, that's exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> Dances with Vader. I would watch Dances wow. with Vader, tell me. We have gotten into that. Um, to, what is the, the words that Bischoff doesn't like and stuff? Um, the questions that he doesn't like? Where we're projecting, we're predicting. Well, hypotheticals. Hypotheticals. The, hi, yes. We are hypotheticizing. And, and um, up our words, time apparently. is up. That's a shirt. <laughs> and making up words, apparently. But you know what? I want to thank you guys for offering your extra thoughts on this pay-per-view in lieu of having Eric on the line. And again, we are going to get all your questions answered by him next week. Maybe we can finagle like 10 extra minutes out of him. No, especially because, yeah, I mean, next week is a uh, Q&A mm. episode. Also, so we can have some... Also, there may be the slight possibility that on the other end of this outro, or I might put it right here... That I might just have a Google Hangout or a Skype with him later today and then put it into the episode. Okay. So if that so happens, it happens right here. Maybe there'll be a Q&A. That might happen. Can you do either like a fade, a fade out, like a flashback, regardless of whether or not we get him? So either it goes into <laughs> it or it comes out and then it's right back to us. Well, if it happened, this entire banter would be cut. So. That's true. Wow. Whatever. Wow. We are all just WCW talent from 1993 in our minds, aren't we? Let me guess. You're in Missy our Hyatt. little minds. You're Missy Hyatt. Duh. <laughs> 
That's Christian Rosenberg. Who and where and what and when? And you know we want these Segway City t-shirts. How can the people reach out to you? Well, you can follow me on Twitter at Rue Rosenberg, Instagram, Vera Rosenberg, com slash Chris Rosenberg. And make sure you go on to the AfterBuzz TV YouTube page or on Apple Podcasts because this week's SmackDown AfterBuzz, we'll have Sonya Deville calling in Ooh. and I'll be talking with her regarding Elimination Chamber and perhaps some big exclusive news. Yeah, yes, it was a, that's it was huge. A, it was a great listen. It was a great listen. <clears throat> Thank you. Uh, I am G- <laughs> George Hermosa, G-H-E-R-M-O-Z-A. You can follow me on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. You guys that didn't like my last Instagram post. And uh, <laughs> Mill Mascaras is a prick. Copyright what? that. <laughs> I'm Steve Coffin. You can find me on Twitter almost exclusively at Steve Coffin. That is K-A-U-F-M-A-N-N. I, I run a lot of YouTube, YouTube channels, including this channel you're watching. If I tweet the link, support them, support me. Yeah, and you guys can always hit me up at Christy Reports or subscribe to my YouTube channel at Christy Reports. And we will see you next week for the big Q&A with Eric Bischoff. We'll get your questions answered, too. And in the meantime, have a great week. We'll see you then. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menunos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.